it's really the exciting part that when you've um, done a really good job and bought your client a great property and they're excited by it and um, really value what you've done. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with Shane Hiscock, a buyer's agent with Cohen Handler and a long-time property developer. Having learned the tricks of the trade, Hiscock will be sharing with us the unexpected way he developed an interest in becoming a buyer's agent and the important lessons he's learned when it comes to developing property. Talking to Shane Hiscock, we'll be talking about his interesting profession and how he came to find a career in property. I'm a buyer's agent with Cohen Handler and um, I've also been developing a property quite a bit over the last 10 years. With a busy schedule, Hiscock is usually found keeping active and dealing with clients on a daily basis. I get up at 4.30, um, hit snooze, wake up at 4.40, I'm on a bike by 5 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I did a 50k ride this morning. Then <laughs> 50k on a bike. Gosh, so for me, it'd <laughs> yeah. be like from here to Wollongong. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a, yeah, quick 50k back home. Um, obviously, shower, have breakfast, or usually it's a second breakfast. Then uh, help get ready with the kids, you know, for school, etc. Um, and then I'm heading into the office, and typically I'm on the phone. You know, this morning, well, we've just secured a property for a client. I was on the phone with him on the way to the office, just ironing out a few of the next steps for him. Um, we had a team meeting at nine, so that went for about an hour, an hour and a half. 11 o'clock, I had a meeting with a new client looking to gain some assistance to help them buy investment property. Um, that went for about an hour, then uh, went to the next meeting. So in the car, typically I'm in the car making calls, you know, calling people, calling real estate agents, uh, organising things, and then arrived at the next meeting at 12.30, uh, met with a, a husband and wife who are looking to buy a family home, been just having uh, struggles with their time and just trying to get uh, across enough properties and, and they just, they've got some time frames they've got to meet. So I had a chat with them about how we might be able to help. Um, and then, you know, from then until, like that was around about an hour, so from then until um, our call, this call that we're having right now, um, I'm on the phones and also researching new properties for my current clients. Uh, after we finish this, I'll be doing more of that for the afternoon. So there's a lot of my days... Um, is on the telephone, as you'd imagine, and also doing research, doing um, you know analysis on different properties that we're looking to purchase for clients, or, or it's negotiating, putting offers in, that kind of thing. Uh, and then at six thirty, I'll leave the office and I'll go to um, I've, uh, I do a lot of personal development, so I've got something on tonight from seven till ten o'clock, and then I'll be home by ten thirty and into bed. So that's that's my day. It's pretty busy, and um, but no, I like it that way. I like to fit a lot in and um, try and maximise maximise the time that we have in the day. Growing up in the country, Hiscott spent his childhood in a close knit community in a small town. I grew up in a little country town called Cootamundra in New South Wales. Uh, it's around. It's, it's near a town called Wagga Wagga, which is probably more known to people. 
around about an hour from Wagga Wagga. And um, another way to kind of look at where we are is we're, we're about four hours inland from Sydney, halfway to Melbourne or thereabouts. So it was, um, yeah, very yeah, very small country town, about 5,500 people was the population. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty small. But, yeah, no, it was good. I mean, yeah, it was a good good place to grow up in. Very, um, yeah, a lot of freedom as a kid because it was a very safe and, and you know, good area for families. You could be out on your bike, ride your bikes to school, you know, kind of go and do what you want until the sun comes down. He attended the local primary and high school before completing his bachelor's degree in Wagga Wagga. Just a local public school and the local high school. So I went to school there and then when I finished year 12, I went to Wagga to attend university. And so I was at Charles Sturt University and, and studied uh, business, did a Bachelor of Business there. After finishing his studies and not having a clear idea of where to go career-wise, Hiscott went straight into the workforce, landing a job at one of the biggest companies in IT. I went straight into the workforce. I um, admit I didn't really have a lot of clear direction on what I wanted to do at the time. And I think like many people, you know, I was sort of brought up to, to look for a good, solid company that was secure, that could provide me with a good job and a career for a long period of time. And um, so I naively just picked a few of the biggest companies I could find and applied for jobs with those companies. Um, one of them was IBM at the time. And so, uh, yeah, straight out of uni, I applied for a job at IBM. That was a five-day interview process. That was very interesting. And um, so you kind of had to make the round each day and do a lot of, you know, personality profiling and group exercises and a lot of different things there. But I was lucky enough to secure a role there myself and one other person out of that process. And so, yeah, straight out of uni, obviously, um, just a short break, uh, just a short break, you know, sort of finished in November, started work in like February or something like that, so I had a few months off and then started with IBM the following year. It was at IBM that Hiscock gained experience working for the telesales team, undergoing a long period of training before finally being able to handle clients himself. I started off in the telesales team, so I was selling maintenance services so for, um, for their larger business computing systems. Um, and back back then, they wouldn't let you weren't allowed on the phone for six months. So really? You had, wow. Had to, yeah, you had to train. You had to sit next to other people, move your way around the team, and learn how different people um, conducted themselves on the phone. And um, you you had to attend certain training modules, etc., before you could, uh, I guess, call it let loose on the phones and actually call them and get your own clients and your own territory to look after. So that, that was that was my first role at IBM. Wow, you must have been really eager to do something, you know, because six months is quite a long time to, to sit behind someone, listen and, and all that. And uh, how long were you with IBM for? Uh, I was with IBM for around 10, about 10 years. So that, that's quite a reasonable amount of time. Did you, did you move different roles inside IBM? Yeah, I definitely did. And I, when I sort of was, you know, the reason for the pause before is I, I left for about a year and a bit at about, I think, year six or seven and um, worked with another computer company, but then came back to IBM. Um, but definitely changed roles. was in the main, that sort of telesales role for a little while and then changed roles inside of that arena a couple of times and then um, had the opportunity to 
well, at the time they'd call it a face-to-face role. So you're actually um, allowed out of the office then and off the phones to actually go and, you know, have clients that you would uh, work with. You go see them in their offices or meet them somewhere and that would be your uh, your clients. And to move into that role, the only options that were available at the time I wanted to make the move were either Queensland or Canberra. And so, um, you know, having lived and grown up not far from Canberra, which is at Cootamundra, I knew how cold Canberra gets. And um, and also primarily in Canberra, it was a government um, territory. You know, so you could dealing with, dealing with government accounts primarily. And, um, and and obviously Queensland has the lure of the sunshine and, and being a, a great area to be in. And, and fortunately for me, IBM were happy to fly me up here and put me up for a few days so I could come and see what Brisbane was like. And um, and that really sealed the deal for me. I loved it. Up in Brisbane. Brisbane was like a, um, I used to call it Wagga on steroids. It was kind of a big country town at the time. There was no Sunday trading. And um, and so sort of very much like where I grew up in Cootamundra, everything shut at lunchtime on a Saturday. And um, that's that's sort of how Brisbane was when I moved here. So it felt, felt just like a bigger version of where I'd grown up. Yeah, just like home. Yeah, just like home, yeah. Living in Brisbane and still working for IBM, Hisco explains the role he undertook at the time. I was in sales in the what was called IBM Global Services, and we uh, we worked with companies like Queensland Rail and Suncorp and Camalco and provided networking you know, solutions to them. So um, that was like networking hardware and networking uh, integration services, etc. Um, for those larger type enterprises. And that, that, was, that was what my role was. It was after working at IBM that his property journey really began. Hiscock finding an interest in property when he combined resources to buy his own house. No, I jumped into property after that and how I, um, how I really got started is I just started to get interested in in buying a property and, and sort of investing. And I, I kind of always had this feeling like I wanted to do more than just, you know, not not just work, but I wanted to expand and do other things outside of um, a day-to-day job. And I started looking into property as, a, as an idea. And I remember speaking to a guy in the office who um, is still a very good friend today, Des, um, and he said to me, right, you want to know a bit about property? Let's go into this meeting room. And we got the whiteboard out and he, he spent probably about an hour, hour and a half explaining a whole lot of things around property to me. And that um, kind of got me kicked off and, and thinking about it. Um, and then it wasn't really until uh, when I met my my wife, um, she worked there as well. And I remember when I sort of first met her, I was considering buying a house and land package and um, I was talking to her about it. And then, you know, as, as we got to know each other a little bit more and started to, to go out together, that's when we got serious about um, why don't we, you know, we decided to combine our resources and, and buy a house. So that's really when I started to get really interested in it. Despite not influencing Hiscock to invest in property, his parents were pivotal in imparting the importance of having a hard work ethic, seeking out opportunities. I think with my parents, like mum and dad, both very hard workers. Um, Dad had his own business, um, but he always was doing things different and trying and expanding and and investing as well. However, 
there wasn't a real property influence from Dad, and I can understand why that's the case. Is because in Cootamundra, you didn't achieve a lot of capital growth in property, and there weren't a lot of you know it, it wasn't sort of um, it wasn't as good an investment in that small regional town as what it would be in say some of the larger cities. And Dad wasn't exposed to any of that, so he didn't um, invest really in property. He made a couple of small investments, but he was more invested in the share market, so he was always looking at ways to to invest funds. Um, but no, yeah, there was no real, there was no real interest or knowledge gained from mum and dad out of out of property itself. Probably just more the, the hard work ethic and the and the um, you know seeking out further opportunities type of uh, mentality that that comes from mum and dad. Coming up after the break, we'll delve into Shane Hiscock's journey and how he began his personal property journey. Was this approach to buying our first property where that's really my my initial exposure? The unexpected way he became a buyer's agent. And when I left IBM, the first uh, thing that I did was a lady came to me from IBM and said to me, "Hey, I'm looking to buy a new property. Can you help me?" And that's next. I'm Tyron Shum, and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey podcast listeners, have you got cash or equity that is currently unused sitting in a bank account that could be invested into a property asset to generate a greater return? If the answer is yes, then register your interest to become a money partner at propertyinvestory.com. When you become a money partner with me, it enables you to receive opportunities to get a minimum of 20% plus returns on your cash or equity. To find out more, visit propertyinvestory.com. Now back to the show. Hiscock shares how purchasing a property as a first-time home buyer marked the starting point of his property investing career. Was this approach to buying our first property where that's really my my initial exposure, and what that entailed was my wife and I picking out, you know, three to four suburbs that we really liked, and making a list of, you know, must-haves versus nice-to-haves. And then really we, we spent all of our time then on the weekends going out and inspecting properties. And um, I actually really enjoyed that. I, I loved that process. And I really liked um, you know, finding out the background information and how much something might have sold for five or ten years ago. And, and it was in that investigation analysis process that um, I guess the light bulb went off and went, wow, you know, someone paid, you know, $150,000 for this 10 years ago and now it's selling it for three fifty, or whatever it might have been at the time. And um, I went, this is, this is pretty cool. That's like you know, more money than I'm going to save up in the next five years. Deciding to seek out ways he could turn his interest in property investing into a profession, Hiscott began to read into property investing. It started to tweak my interest then and so I started to seek out resources around property and try and learn a little bit about it and I found Stephen Smart's book which um, which I think has been the instigator for a lot of people getting into property. So thanks, Steve. It, it was an amazing book. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I started reading Steve's book and loved it. And then uh, I found that he was running a program called the Results Mentoring Program. It was sort of the second result number two, I think it was, that I discovered. It was already six months into the program but I, I applied and said, can I get into this program? I know it's already been running for six months, but I really want to get into this. I really want to start learning. And then um, I, I joined that program 
and started to receive obviously all of the mentoring materials, the folders that teach you about all different strategies strategies around property. And um, and then from there, I just you know I started to go out every weekend looking for renovators, and started to go out looking for you know different types of properties. And the first purchase that I made from then, which was um, this is now probably a couple of years after purchasing that that first home, I'd built some equity in that home, and I could see how I could leverage off that equity and go and do something. It was after attending these programs that Hiscott ended up buying the block of land that would facilitate the making of his first property development. I was looking for renovators because I just thought that was a good entry point. Couldn't find anything that quite suited. Ended up buying a block of land in a small estate but in an established suburb. So there were, I think, 12 lots in that small subdivision and I bought the one with the problem. So Steve always taught, you know, there's profits in problems. Um, so this block had a large gum tree on it that no one really liked, um, obviously, because one of the last ones left. I liked it because I remember back in Cootamundra, there was a big gum tree near the library between the library and the police station, had this massive floodlight in it, made it look amazing. And I thought, well, I could do, I could do something like that, you know. <laughs> and uh, I uh, we made an offer and we bought that block of land and we built our first house. And that was the process of, you know, me learning how to, how development works, I guess. I thought that was the best way to get in was to just do a single home and learn that process. That's how it all got kicked off. While buying and building on this block of land marked the beginning of his property development career, Hiscock shares that not everything was smooth sailing after the property was built. So the, the intention was always with that house to, um, to build it and sell it and make a profit and utilise those funds to, you know, just to keep moving forward. However, what happened was there were a couple of things that happened. Um, the house ended up costing a whole lot more than we initially thought. We'd read the um, flyers in the newspaper saying you can build this house for $250,000 and here's this double-story nice home, um, not realising that that didn't include a lot of things often and um, and thought on my initial numbers that's what I could do. Ended up costing 379000 to build that house. Um but it wasn't turned out to be a really nice home. Like it was quite a big home. Um, it was custom designed because of the building envelope on the block. Um, but what happened was that we had the worst building experience I think I've had. It took 14 months to build a single house. We had um, seven changes of foreman on the job. Wow. Which, as, you, as you, I'm sure you know, every time the foreman changes, they've got to reschedule everything and rebook everything. Typically, bring a different crew along because that's who they're used to working with. Um, so that took a really long time, and then the GFC came around. So this is all going swimmingly well. It's not, and, and um, we we were at that point realizing that if we you know sold it straight away, we wouldn't have made the profit that we wanted to. So we decided to move into it. Um, so we moved in, and then we finished off the landscaping then and the yards and everything over the next 12 months. And um, and then it was then that we were able to revalue the house and um, draw $95,000 in equity out of it in that 12 months, which was, a, yeah, it was pretty good results still at the end of the day. Um, yeah, and then we, we went on later to sell that and, and make a, a good profit. With a delayed yet positive end result, Hiscock states that this experience was actually an exciting moment in his property development journey. I didn't really know too much better at the time because I hadn't built before 
And so whilst it was really frustrating and we were pushing them through, it was really exciting as well. I was just like a kid, you know, I was there every second day seeing what had been done and what hadn't been done often. <laughs> but um, still, like, just watching and I was just sort of probably immersed more in learning the process. Looking back on his past projects, Hiscock explains that the worst developing moment he experienced came from an unexpected program calculating error that brought it with a hefty fee. If I was to think of a, a worst moment, that would be a project I secured for a client and I was running the project for them. And we thought, and we would work together each week, we'd run through the numbers and have a look at everything and, you know, I'd keep them up to date and we would look at, you know, the feasibilities and everything's okay, it's all running well. And toward the end of the project, the client was saying to me, look, we're running out of funds. This is not, something's up, we're running out of funds. And I kept looking at the FISO in each, in this FISO version, it was a template I'd gotten from a, from a program I'd done. And in there, it would tally up how much funds um, you needed to put in from an equity point of view and how much you're borrowing from the bank. So I kept looking at it going, well, you told me you had X amount of money and then from the FISO, we've not spent over that yet. It all looks to be lining up. And then... What happened though was we discovered a cell wasn't tallying up and that cell was worth $50,000. And that was probably the worst I've ever felt around doing anything around property. That was just a really um, bad feeling to think, you know, that that this had been missed. Um, So, yeah, that's probably the worst worst one. And look, what happened was I... um, I covered that $50,000 and paid that to the client to make sure that they were protected. And I'm very happy to say that we're still friends um, and I've helped them with their, they're doing projects themselves now and I'm helping them with that as well. So, um, yeah, I think the the result still at the end of the day being even like eight years later now um, was, was um, still a positive experience, although losing 50000 at the time was very, very difficult. Despite this unexpected cost, Hiscott highlights that the deal was still profitable and did little damage to the overall profit margin. It's very, very minor. You know, nothing like we'd expected. So, yeah. However, I wanted to make sure my client didn't lose any money. So I paid all of that back, all of that $50,000 to them, obviously. He adds that this experience taught him an important lesson when it comes to calculating costs for development opportunities. And then, you know, definitely put measures in place and then even do two versions and often a manual version. Get someone else to look at it early on. So, yeah, there's very, you know, very stringent um, processes now that I personally just put in place from doing anything like that where it's, uh, if it is a development type of opportunity, just making sure that um, it all gets checked. Not letting a bad property developing experience in his property developing journey, Hiscock shares how many property developments he's completed since then. So including those two, 33. Wow, that's a lot of developments. There's <laughs> a lot. Um, so yeah, everything from land subdivisions to units, townhouses, houses, a lot of different projects. There's still a couple running, um, uh, three to four projects running now. One's winding up, so it's basically three to four. Uh, one's just one's just starting, and now the couple are in um, sales mode. So there's one or two properties in the project to still be sold. 
Um, but so if I looked at that, really, I'm just running one project now, which is just the, the site's been cut and, um, yeah, foundations are being uh, laid, I think, next week. But how did Hiscott end up in the property industry, not only as a property developer, but a buyer's agent as well? Well, it's probably not a very highly known fact, but actually when I left, uh, I was in IT for 10 years with IBM. And when I left IBM, the first uh, thing that I did was a lady came to me from IBM and said to me, hey, I'm looking to buy a new property. Can you help me? And I was like, yeah, sure. I love, I love doing it. I hadn't had any business or anything set up at the time. Uh, and she asked me, you know, to help her buy. She was looking at a townhouse at the time. I did some analysis on it and, and asked her what her goals were around that townhouse. And she said, well, it was around capital growth and I don't really want it to cost me too much to hold on to. I suggested there were some better options out there and helped her go and find something else that was more suitable. And then um, she paid me as, as a buyer's agent. She said to me, well, you've, you've kind of done the role. I looked it up. You've done the role as a buyer's agent. And um, and so I'm going to um, to pay you for that service as a, as a buyer's agent. You've helped me, and that was oh, 2008, I think it was. Yep. So I I've actually been you know helping people buy properties since then. So that's how I really first got into being a buyer's agent. Finding fulfillment in helping others attain property, Hiscock explains the process that persuaded him to focus on his career as a buyer's agent. But really, I've moved my focus to finding properties for other people um, and that's I guess you know when I started doing this as I mentioned back to the lady you know first off out of IT and I went and helped find a property for her and put that together in the start I was spending 90% of my time doing that and I'd spend a little bit of time managing projects and as we secured more and more projects it swung the other way and in the last few years I really was spending no time looking for the next project. I just didn't have any bandwidth to do that. So, uh, and I was not, and I guess because of that, I was uh, not, like I, I learned in the process along the way and running all of these different projects and and looking and reviewing things in the last year or two, considering what do I, which part do I enjoy, which part am I most fulfilled by? I learned and thought I'm really more fulfilled by buying properties for people. I like that process. I enjoy it. Um, and I've not been doing that. I started to be, you know, not so fulfilled with just running just running the projects. Um, and yeah, I guess what the tra- how the transition happened was last year, um, early last year, I was working with a few different clients who wanted to find their next project. And I wasn't, I felt I wasn't putting enough time into helping them do that. And a friend of mine mentioned uh, Cohen Handler at the buyer's agency, as as you know, and um, I went and met with Jordan from Cohen Handler and, and we had a discussion around how do we help these current clients to find them a new project. And we um, we together like worked together to help find them and basically Jordan would help with the resourcing and taking on those clients. I would still be in contact and you know be reviewing the projects with the clients as they went through. And I just found in that experience, um, like I really liked how the guys operated. I really liked the business. Um, I love the branding and the model and what they stand for. And um, I was finishing up a few more projects now and I was saying to Jordan, I think I might look at, you know, um, firing up my buyer's agency side of the business again. 
And he said, well, what, why, don't you, why don't we have a chat about you joining us? It was after contemplating the vision he had for his buyer's agency that Hiscock decided to join forces with Cohen Handler. When I was considering firing up my buyer's agency again, I felt I needed to broaden the horizons and, and appeal to a wider audience, not just, not just buying for developers. And um, I sat down and considered the options and I thought, you know, if I was really wanting to build a brand, what would I want it to look like? And I thought I'd really like it to look like Cohen Handler and I decided these guys already have it. I've, um, you know, I've really had a really good experience and I went, so I investigated that and decided to join, join the company. So that's how the transition happened. Yeah, it kind of was not a planned thing or expected and it just kind of all just happened as it happened and and then, um, hey, look, now I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So, yeah. With so much success in both his property development and buyer's agent career, Hiscock takes us back to an out-of-the-box developing moment that led to amazing results. We finished a project last year in a suburb called Clayfield in Brisbane and it was the sort of project where the at the outset when we first secured this project, uh, the type of building we wanted to put on it, or two buildings in this case, um, were really small lots, like 242 square metre blocks and the concept of just building two really luxury small homes to cater for a downsizer market was what I'd come up with because I'd just seen a couple of other projects around Brisbane where that had been done and there weren't a lot of examples, um, but there was just one or two that I thought um, showed that there could be a market for this. And I looked around and in Clayfield there are a lot of large family homes on big blocks of land that are Queenslander-style homes. Um, so they require a fair bit of maintenance. And um, my view was that there there will be a lot of people wanting to downsize out of those types of properties. And so I, I secured this particular project and then um, worked with a, 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 a now client, found a partner to partner with me on it as a, as a JV-style project. And, um, and they were two architects that weren't, they weren't actually the designers of the properties, but they, I wanted someone who could see the vision of what, what I was trying to do. Um, because often looking at projects, um, we're looking for, you know, what's something similar that's sold in the same area for what price, you know, a similar product, and that'll give us confidence and we'll develop it. Whereas in this case, it was a little taking a bit of a chance because we were trying to put something into, uh, put something into a space in a market that we didn't know existed we weren't confident. Um, well, not that we weren't confident, but it was sort of a little untested because there were only one or two examples of it. Um, but it turned out really well. The, the homes um, came up amazing. Adding to this, Hiscott tells us how it was this moment as well as another that ultimately cemented his passion for property. We made sure we hit, the, hit what we thought people would want if they were downsizing, so, you know, huge... Um, walk-in robe areas, really big master suites, uh, very large ensuite. Um, had to have some really amazing wow factors. So we had a two-story void in the living area um, with a you know nice glass balustrades and a little library section up the top, and, and every room was ensuite. So um, they turned out really well, and the, I guess the, it was a really good feeling when we put them on the market at Easter. Um, wasn't initially a good feeling because I thought that's the worst time. But um, they both sold within a week for the full, full asking price. So um, we, we put a range on the price and, it, and they both sold for the top of the, top of the price. Um, so that was a really cool moment. 
Um, and then I guess probably like recently, more recently, the other moments are really, they're more consistent now in terms of being a buyer's agent. And, and it's really the exciting parts are when you've um, done a really good job and bought your client a great property and they're excited by it and um, really value what you've done. So um, I recently bought a house for a couple in Alderley and I dropped back in a month later and just to hear them say, look, we're so um, thankful for what you did for us. We would never have found or bought this house without your help. Um, we're starting our family here and, and, you know, building our lives in this home and, and we just can't thank you enough. That was, that's really cool. And that's, yeah, that's what I'm enjoying a lot about the role at the moment as well. So, inspired by Shane Hiscock's journey and his amazing aha moment, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode of Property Investory. We'll discuss his strategy. You have to really buy that right and obviously uh, make sure you position the product into the right price range because if you don't, then you try to sort of compete with a similar product maybe on a better street or in a better area, then you will lose. The personal habits which have been contributing to his success? Well, obviously, I ride you know, reasonably often, that fluctuates. Sometimes I can be riding five days a week. Sometimes I'm really busy. It's, it's maybe only one or two days a week. That's I, um, I find that it's kind of good release for me and, you know, it, it helps me to... And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory. Also, have you got cash or equity that is currently unused sitting in a bank account that could be invested into a property asset to generate a greater return? If the answer is yes, then register the interest to become a money partner by SMSing me your email address on 0499881040. When you become a money partner with me, it enables you to receive opportunities to get a minimum of 20% plus returns on your cash or equity. To find out more, text me your email address on 0499881040. Thanks for listening.